Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Mission Cigar and Social here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman. I'm joined as the most impatient man in the world, Mr. Shane Reeves. Well, our guest is on a tight timetable. Yeah, well, I understand he's, he's, that... He's got a plane to catch. He's in a hurry. And I'll, but I will go ahead and introduce him. This Our guest is actually the silent partner here at Mission Cigars, Shannon Townley. Very silent. Sh- All right. Sh- Shannon, welcome <laughs> to the show. So, Trey, what are you smoking tonight? <laughs> no, hi, Shannon. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am the silent partner. Uh, and now now I shall speak probably much more eloquently than my actual loud partners. But, uh, no, I'm only teasing. Uh, great to be here. Great to be with you guys. It's always fun to stop in. I only get to come about once a quarter. But uh, I'm, I'm to the point now where I feel a little bit like Norm. Everybody kind of knows my name when I walk in. I think I was a big mystery for the first year. But uh, now it's really great to kind of be integrating in with the team, being able to, to be here more. But uh, Well, I'll, I'll so now you, now you know, Shane, every time you see Shannon, file your taxes. Well, I actually, I, Mark was using him to threaten the employees. Hey, you better have your act together before Shannon gets in town. He will send you out of here on a rail. Mm. And, uh, so Mark was using him to try kind of harass the employees. And Shannon gets here, and he's not near as mean as we all thought he was. Never. They called me Goose for a long time, right, because I'm like a goose. I fly in, I kind of take a dump and then i i fly out right <laughs> so i um, appreciate you taking the time before your air airline schedule to get there but a couple of questions so um despite popular belief i'm not an owner in the shop i just act like it <laughs> and all but you actually are so the system of having three actual partners here and then somebody like yourself that's a little more removed from the day-to-day was that on purpose or was it a happy accident? Because it's worked out really well. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I have a financial background, so I knew that one of the things I could bring to the table is uh, is the financial element, handling all the back end, uh, the point of sale uh, reports, and uh, you know all, all the all kind of employee stuff. And so, what what really drew us together was just you know being going to Mexico together and doing this, and always having a desire to have a cigar shop. And so we've never lived together physically, but uh, but when we had this opportunity, we saw it was a great, you know, sort of reason to come together, both as friends and as partners, and it's worked out. Uh, Feel free to backhand market your leisure. <laughs> I know. I, I have one of my partners here trying to really mess this up, because he is scared that I'm going to do a much better job than he did on the last podcast. You should be excited <laughs> that his level of focus, being the financial guy, the fact that he could tune you out says really good things for the health of this shop. Yes, yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's become easy. It's become easy for both of us. Was just tune the other out, but no, it's it's really been great. Uh, we've been friends for close to 25 years with Monty as well. I met Willie when I came into this, but uh, Willie's been a great addition too. And so uh, the combination of cameras and cloud-based point-of-sale services actually make me feel like I'm really connected. Because you may not realize this, but I spend about two hours every night just kind of watching the cameras to make sure you guys are acting right. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then you've seen the worst of us for sure. But no, we. We have a lot of fun here. You know, the cameras are always an interesting thing because we were in Vegas and Mark's in Las Vegas at a bar looking at the cameras at the shop back here. And I'm like, what in the world? Yeah, but the problem is he doesn't know what he's looking at, right? He just wants to act important, right? Oh, okay. I'm actually trying to do something, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm only teasing. Yeah, no, it's, it's made it nice. I just really wish I had volume. I've always wanted that sort of like 
ability to kind of come in and say, I see you, but they won't give me that. So. No, no, you don't, you don't need to do that. No. That would freak you. Get, you'd get mooned on the camera quite often. I have a couple of times. Yeah. We need to get one of those, like, those ticker, scrolling tickers so that you can just type in messages to the whole shop as you're sitting there uh, watching. I would love that. I routinely do tell Mark, though, like, he'll sit down to open up a cigar and I'll say, you didn't pay for that. I'll text him as I'm watching. So he knows, he knows I've got my eyes on everything. <laughs> well, the, after you get the, so they're putting in a new point of sale this weekend. That's yeah. why Shannon's here. And that's been exciting. Has it gone well as the transition? It's, it's gone well. I mean, as you know, as one of the valued uh, loyalty customers, we moved from uh, our current POS because of issues that we had with them supporting uh, the cigar shop and the loyalty program. So this new system, Lightspeed, is going to be great. It's, uh, it's going to be very well integrated. And it's going to give us a lot more capability to really dial into, like, what is the pulse of our customers, right? What are they smoking? Where are the trends going? How can we, uh, you know, make our purchases match the uh, profile of our customer base, which, as you know, kind of ebbs and flows over time. And we didn't have that with the old system. So we're excited to get that data and be able to hopefully make the humidor uh, even better than it is today. Well, the next piece of technology we're going to be working on, I'm, I'm already working on it with Monty, is facial recognition software. We would really like when somebody walks into the shop for their name to scroll across. Because uh, how many times does somebody walk into the <laughs> shop and you're like, man, I smoked a cigar with him two weeks ago. We talked about the most deepest personal moments in his life, and I can't remember his name to save my life. I know. It happened. I'm, I'm really bad with names, so it took me the majority of a year to kind of learn most folks names that would actually be a really good idea or just have david stay here all the time because he can tell you anything about anything right well <laughs> yeah but <laughs> but then you have to listen to him for you know 20 minutes or the, so. the intro would get a little long you kind of got to work right. the intro down just a little bit from that position that's right and all but right. we did we did say we want facial recognition with the names and if we could integrate entrance music like the wwe that would be even better but that's not a must okay all that right. can be on the second stage of your software I, I'm, development. I'm gonna put that on the product roadmap and, and, and the store roadmap for how we move forward. Okay, Trey, he's got to go, but do you have a question before he goes? Um, what's been your favorite part so far? My favorite part has been the camaraderie, right? I mean, we named this the mission. Uh, again, I'm sure Mark and others have said it based on some work we did down in Mexico uh, around an orphanage. And I didn't know a lot about cigars. I knew I liked to smoke cigars. But uh, it's a real family here. And uh, sometimes you walk into cigar shops and it's not inviting. And you kind of fill out a place with the regulars. Here, uh, I, I firmly believe anybody that walks in is going to be treated as a regular. If they have questions, they're not going to be looked at as being stupid. Everybody wants to help. And uh, that's a culture that we've really created. The other thing that I think is really positive about our shop is, you know, uh, my partners have committed to being here. And I think, uh, you know, with Mark and Monty and Willie here and being visible, it's given really everybody a voice uh, in terms of how they want their shop uh, to, to, to be managed and what's in the humidor. And that's important to us. Although we kind of started the idea and put the financial elements in, we really look at this as everybody's shop, right, that comes in here to enjoy it. And uh, I think that's uh, helped us uh, in our success over the first year of operation, frankly. So you can quit, get on, quit getting on to me for acting like I own the place. <laughs> Shannon says it's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. right. That's right. So <laughs> It's well, been really good. We'll let you catch your plane, but thank you for taking a few minutes. When you get back, we'll do a fuller, longer format. I can't wait for that. You know, although as a, as a, as a, you know, a financial guy by background, I'll have to have the questions in advance so I can 
thoroughly prepare for. Oh, for oh no, we can't do that. We have we have to have. We have that's to assuming that you. we know what we're going to talk about that, in that much of advance. That, that's right. That's right. So thank you guys, uh, and thank you guys for coming in and doing this uh, podcast here at our shop. Right. Yeah, we're happy to. Yeah, thank you. All right. So with that housekeeping out of the way, why don't we talk about a couple of cigars? So I'm smoking an El Septimo, the Sacred Arts, the Salvador Dali. All right. And, okay. This cigar causes a lot of emotions in my life. See, I'm already disappointed that it looks like a cigar. You think it should be like melting over the it, it side of a melting, ashtray? It should be melting, or it should be, it should be perspective where it looks like it's giant from one end and tiny from the other. Like there should be some surrealism involved. Okay, well you th- you think you're disappointed now? Wait till I read the description from the El Septimo page. The Salvador Dali six by fifty four Toro. Dedicated to the Christ of St. John of the Cross, it represents the fifth day of creation when God created creatures of the sea and the birds. What What does that have to do with Salvador Dali? Right. Does it at least have Spanish tobacco? Okay. Now we get into another thing that that I'm about this cigar. (laughs) It's like we rehearsed this. So it is made in Costa Rica. Okay. But the tobacco is undisclosed. So usually when they say undisclosed tobacco, it means Cuban. Do you think so? This does not taste like any Cuban tobacco I've ever tasted. I really think this is Costa Rican tobacco. Okay. I've I've smoked a couple of these, and I don't smoke many of these because the price point's way out of the range. Was it about 26? 23. Okay. Um, But I will say... It is a very good cigar, despite all of the overdoing, I guess I would put it, of the, of the hype around yeah. it and the, the names and the images and all of this stuff. And I mean, it's got this weird seven on it. I'm, you know, you're the first person I've ever heard suggest that if a cigar company says that the blend is undisclosed, that it's Cuban tobacco in a U.S. market cigar. That's what it's always... What did you think it meant? It means it's proprietary, that they're just not... You really think it's Cuban tobacco? That has been my experience, that most of most the time when they say undisclosed, they say it's undisclosed because it's a Cuban... Some Cuban derivative. Huh. That's usually what my experience with reps has been, is to say, oh, yeah, this is... Un, it's undisclosed. Okay, so it's Cuban. And then they just don't say nothing. I find that really hard to believe. Well, so this also, we had this huge discussion in here yesterday about this. Um, I'm trying to fight my urges to always be the smartest asshole in the room. But when someone else, I'm usually good at taming that. But when someone else tries to become the smartest asshole in the room, and they're clearly dumber than and, you are. And they're clearly not worthy of the title. Yeah. Well, they're worthy of part of the title. <laughs> yeah. When, when clearly that's the case, it's hard for me to quell that part of Right. It. And there was a guy in here, and he was talking about how Cubans are the best, and they do this and this and this, and the Monte Number 2 is the most stable cigar that everyone should have in their humidor. And I'm, What does a stable cigar even mean? I have no idea. Apparently, what we would call a workhorse, he's calling a staple. Gotcha. Um, 
Oh, you're saying staple. Pull with a P, yes. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I thought stable as in like it's like it, it lays flat. Like it's you, you can balance a table with it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know, I complain about people not coming to America and learning English, but sometimes I kind of see because we got stable where you keep horses we got stable where it's steady and we've got staple which is either a small metal device used for connecting paper or a or fundamental portion of their portfolio yeah <laughs> so okay I, I i get it folks <laughs> but i still say you should try harder mm-hmm. i still say after you've been in america for a decade you better be speaking the king's english i don't i, I think in 10 years if you can't get it you need to go back home but Anyway, so <laughs> Shane xenophobia aside, <laughs> we got the, we got our hey ten years. If I, I guarantee you, put me in any country in this world, I'll be speaking the la, the la, native tongue in less than two years. Any country in the world, you put me there, I'll have it mastered in less than two years. You think so? I'll be I'll be speaking it with a southern accent, but I'll be speaking <laughs> okay. it properly. Okay. And I'll never do that thing where I look at the guy next to me and switch to a different language in front of somebody else. That's the rudest jerk move you can make. It's it's rude. I don't think it's the. I mean, you could pee on him. That's worse. Well, that's a, that's offensive as opposed to just jerk like. Okay. But anyway, we've got to draw these lines. So anyway, so. The I've always thought this is just Coast Rican tobacco, and it's good Coast Rican tobacco, and it's a good cigar. Yeah. Um, some people wanted to argue that it was Cuban tobacco that was sent to Costa Rica, and they put it into cigars, treated it, and put it into cigars in Costa Rica, and sent it to the United States. Truth is, it's undisclosed, so we'll never know for sure, but I'm going to operate under the principle that this is what Costa Rican dirt tastes like. Gotcha. You know, it, well, see, it's it's funny because this came up on the show, was it three weeks ago, I think, at this point, because I, I mentioned that, like, it's not illegal to get Cuban tobacco in Nicaragua. Why, why aren't we, why aren't people just, and so you're suggesting that undisclosed... Yeah, I'm, well, the person I was talking to was suggesting... That Nicaragua may have laws against bringing a ship full of Cuban tobacco into their port and putting it in cigars and selling them as Nicaraguan cigars, where Costa Rica may not have those laws. Okay, that I can. Okay, so when we see country of origin Costa Rica, but Nicaraguan Dominican binder and filler, it's like, well, how is this Costa Rican cigar? You're saying that that might be a, a way of circumventing some of those. Right, it may be a legal, yeah, a legal thing. I also play. just don't see Cuba exporting raw tobacco. That just seems... Well, but, you know, they had all the barns knocked down. Well, now, this year, I mean, so... But, who knows? Anyway, Anyway, it's a good cigar. I like this cigar. I've always smoked it. Um, It's a unique flavor. It's not like much else that you smoke. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm good with one of these biannually. Okay. Maybe maybe at most twice a year I'd all be right. all right with this cigar. I'd never make a workhorse out of it, even if well, not even if yeah. Well, if it was if it was ten dollars a stick cheaper, it still wouldn't be that for me. Right. It's just not that flavor profile, but it is nice for that special occasion smoking. That's probably why it is the price it is, is because they wanted to market it as okay. We'll talk about it later in the show. Who's going to complain about a cigar they paid twenty two dollars for? We're going to talk about that later in the show? Well, with bourbon. Oh, okay. But anyway. (laughs) 
We'll, we'll get back to that. All right. So anyway, what are you smoking now that you're halfway through with it? Yeah, I know. Oh, man, I made the absolute right decision today. I am so happy with this. So um, this is the A.J. Fernandez Enclave. Now, everybody who listens to more than one episode of this show knows that I smoke AJ more than anything else, especially when I'm in this shop. And I've been doing a really good job lately of avoiding that for the show. But every time we record and I leave here and I go home, or even when I'm just here in general, I grab this Enclave as my cigar for the trip home every single time. I've gone through probably two boxes worth from this shop alone. I love this cigar. Ecuadorian wrapper over Cameroon binder and Nicaraguan filler. It's AJ doing AJ things. But I don't ever smoke it on a fresh palate, even though I know it is so good it deserves that. The problem is it plays really well with others on the back end of the night, which is why it's become my staple for that. And I just decided, no, today I'm going to remember what it is about this cigar that I love. And I tell you, I could sit here and just listen to you wax on about bullshit all night long as long as I've got this cigar. I am real. This is hitting me perfect. Well, the thing about that cigar, if you go to a Garth Brooks concert, you want to hear him sing Friends in Low Places. If you go to an ACDC concert, you expect to hear Highway to Hell. Right. That That is AJ's greatest hits. Yeah. And you never get tired of hearing those songs. And if you leave the concert and all they've played is the new stuff, you're ticked. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You know, I love the new world. And I think the new world is also kind of that. Uh, but this just does something that much better. I don't know what it is. They're very similar in flavor profile and the way they hit that back of my tongue with the spice and the black pepper. This is just that next level, though. It is so good. And, you know, people have, we have a tendency to want what's next more than to enjoy what we currently have. So it's always nice to step back and smoke one of your greatest hits and yeah. just really love it. Speaking of which, this is not on our show prep at all, but I'm, I've been thinking about this. Are you like me? Are you the kind of person that will just sit there and overanalyze something to death? And like, what's that? Uh, paralysis by overanalysis. So before the show, you were asking about the, the power brick that I have for, for traveling and stuff like that. The thing is that the one thing that that doesn't have that I wish it did is a digital display for what percentage of the battery is left. It just has four lights, and I've never seen it get below three. I assume it's linear and not, you know, whatever. But it's one of those things that I knew that that was a feature I wanted because one of my old ones had that, and I loved it. But after three days of endless research and trying to compare the difference between this Chinese piece of crap and that Chinese piece of crap, I forgot that that was one of my key functionalities. And it got me thinking, you know what? I'm finally going to do it. The La Fine Lamas, the cigar cutter pocket knife, Right. I'm doing it. You're going to buy one. I have, I've pined over them for years. Right. And, you know, we talk about them all the time on the show when they come out with special releases like the Skyline series, which is gorgeous. I wish they did a Nashville one because I would buy it. And I got looking at it the other day because several people on my Instagram feed have one. And I was just like, man, I just, I, I want it so bad. They're $149. If you can pay $400 for your Red Horse Ironworks 
there's nothing stopping me from spending $150 on a cutter. I have had Absolutely. my Zycar XI2, I think it is, for 10 years now. And I've not ever bought a cutter since and then. And you've not lost it. And you, I've not lost you, it. You have a proven track record of being able to keep up with it. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm finally going to do it. But now I've got to figure out which one I want. <laughs> well, I'm really blessed. One of the very endearing qualities my wife has is if I have something like that that I've kind of pined over for a little while, she'll buy it. Yeah. She'll do it because she kind of knows, okay, he don't want to spend this on himself, but um, I can buy this from him, and he gets what he wants, and I get I get to make my husband feel good. And it, it's one of her – if you if you possess the intuition to be able to do this, because I do not. Yeah. See, I do. I, I wish I did. I I've do. already bought people Christmas presents. I, I wish I possessed the intuition that when my wife talked about something to know, okay, is this something she really wants or is this just something that she, that's a passing fancy? I don't possess that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the single entendre guy. I don't, I don't read deep into stuff and I'm not going to. See, it's, my wife is that way too. I've got to do a better job of mentioning things like that around her because, you know, for Christmas last year, she bought me a, a seven quart Le Creuset Dutch oven. And for those out there that really cook, you know what kind of a gift that was. She blew our budget completely out of the water. But, um, but I don't think I've ever actually mentioned that specific thing to her, or I probably would have one by now. Well, if she listens to this podcast... Well, she doesn't anymore. <laughs> since, since our break, she hasn't come back to us. Oh, okay. Well, that's no good. All right, so let's cover at least one story before we go to the break. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is not uh, shaping up, is it? Fire destroys Fuente Tobacco Warehouse. Fuente loses one million pounds of aged tobacco leaf in Dominican Blades. I have a question for you off the top, because you've been around construction all your life. And I was reminded today that today is actually the second anniversary of my dad's restaurant burning down. Much like this factory, it was a, it was a brick building, not cinder block like this one. Why does fire burn down brick buildings? I don't, I don't understand that. So block, cinder block, is porous okay. by nature. And as the heat gets into that, it causes it to expand, especially if there's already Which moisture Which cracks in there. the mortar joints and that right. destabilizes the... Str- okay. I've, I've seen that all my life. Cinder block and brick buildings burning to the ground. I'm thinking, brick is fireproof. How does that... And that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's, more, it's more an effect of the heat and less of the flame. And, you know, this one, the trusses, you see the trusses. I mean, they got some great pictures here. And I well, do like that firemen are called bomberos. I like that, too. It looks like a video game. So fire broke out about 530 on Wednesday afternoon a couple of weeks ago, and the firefighters were on the scene for hours. They didn't finish extinguishing it till 235. I bet that was a great smelling fire. I bet it was. And... Um, Carlos Fuente said everybody's okay. They're really thankful for that. And it's a massive loss of Chateau de la Fuente tobacco. Okay, that's... So the Chateau tobacco, that's... So that's good and bad news. It's, it's bad news because that's their most popular line. It's good news because it means they've probably got a lot more of it. Well, 
the Chateau de la Fuente tobacco is a farm Fuente owns in Benayo, and they grow the Opus X oh, stuff do, there. Okay, I had that wrong. Okay, cynical Shane time. Allow allow me to indulge my cynical side. All right. If I'm the guy that is fixing to file this insurance policy for Arturo Fuente. Um, of course I, you're going to say it was the Opus Tobacco? Oh, yeah. There's no way I'm saying that. Oh, yeah. This was our cheap medium filler stuff. This was yeah, our, they, these were our brick house. We couldn't decide whether to throw it away or to hang it up, so we just figured we'd hang it up just for the heck of it. No, you're, nobody's saying that. There, when it comes time for, you know, J.P. Morgan or whoever to write this insurance check, which... It, Okay, we know that tobacco in the field can't be insured. Right. Can tobacco in the barn be insured? I would assume so. I mean, I, I would assume it could. Because at that point, it's a, it's a tangible good. Right. It's in a controlled environment, act of God aside. It's, it's, right. You know, it, should be, it should be insurable. You got a background in insurance. How do you not know this? Well, I don't do a lot of tobacco insurance. Uh, this, no, because it, it's... Because there's a so c- certain grains in silo are co- are coverable, others aren't, depending on the structure, the nature. Da, 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 da. So whether or not this was possibly a covered loss, I'm sure it was. Um, but it depends on the policy. That's what that's what's so funny. Insurance is nothing but contract. Oh, absolutely. And so it's all about how it's written, how, what's covered, that sort of thing. It's just hollow promises. That's well, really the basis of insurance. But the thing, to your point about whether or not this, I, and I know you're not accusing them of actually saying it's Opus Tobacco when it's not. I think you're just kind of being uh, contrarian for the for the point of it. Well, I'm, I'm making the point that there's no way they're coming out in Cigar Aficionado and saying this was no. a cheap stuff that got burned. But because this is a commercial property, this is not the same as your house burns down and you go, yes, this is where my Fabergé egg collection was. There's going to be inventory controls. There's going to be computer or paperwork that establishes what was in there, when it was put in there, for how long, that sort of thing. All of that's going to be there. In America, it would be. But in the Dominican? For a company this successful, absolutely. Because those types of things are what make businesses successful. And I will, I will die on that hill. What makes your, your business successful is not the quality of your product. It's not you know, your price against your competition. It's your ability to follow and maintain processes like that that allow, you to be, allow your successes to be repeatable. Yes and no. There's I, so, it's I some agree. from part I, A, part yeah. B, but... If you don't have the quality of product, nothing else matters. It don't matter. I mean, talk to Gurkha. It don't matter how good you are at selling it. If your product sucks, then you're, you're not going to have the success of a Drew Estate, of an Arturo Fuente. Talk to, a, talk to Gurkha, though. You think they hate how much money they're bringing in every year? Um, if you they com- have a very substandard product, and they've stuck around for 20 years at this point. But if you compare them to the other company, tobacco companies of that size, they're far underperforming. Maybe so. But the, the, the point is, I guarantee you, a company like Arturo Fuente has strict inventory controls on what goes into their barn when and why and for how long. I hope you're right. I, I, think you, I, I have no reason to think you wouldn't, but... 
Why don't we step away for a break? When we come back, let's talk about Oliva opening a new tobacco processing center outside Esteli. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who... I've, okay, folks, I'm having a Seinfeld <laughs> moment here. I've got a great joke I wrote the punchline down to. More like Shrek than Schwarzenegger. I can't remember the setup. So when I wrote my... I, was, I remember exactly where I was when I wrote this down. I was walking the dog yesterday morning with my wife on the trail right past the creek... I remember exactly where I was standing when I said, oh, I need to stop and write that down. That'll be a great bump joke. More like Shrek than Schwarzenegger. And there's, there's a hilarious context for that. So somebody out there, write me a good joke with right, a punchline. <laughs> more like Shrek than Schwarzenegger. And send it to him. To so are you saying that I'm more like Shrek than Schwarzenegger is like Shrek? Or I'm more closer in comparison to Shrek than Schwarzenegger? I don't know. There, there was a great setup involved that, I, that fit perfectly. And, and, and you look like neither Shrek nor Schwarzenegger. Right. Wow, that's a, that's a weird compliment. <laughs> Talk about a backhanded compliment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, um, there's something there. I don't know. We'll have to go back to it. But anyway. You All know right. my favorite thing about this cigar? What's that? How much smoke it puts out. It is a smoky cigar. It's very... I just... I exhale, and I just sit in a cloud of smoke for like a minute while it clears out. I love that. So, well, leave know, it. I, I bought a box of Papa's Fritas the other night here at the Drew Estate event. Oh, I bet it was just a... look like you were vaping putting out so much the, smoke. Yeah, and the Papa's Fritas is such a smoky cigar. There is really very little smokier than that Papa's Fritas. Yeah. So, okay. Oliva opens new tobacco processing center outside Esteli. Um, boy, this is a pretty tobacco processing <laughs> It really is. You say that picture. That's pretty funny. Okay. Um, can I, Okay. So it says here that Oliva produces 40 mil, makes around 40 million cigars a year, making it one of the bigger producers of cigars in Nicaragua. And basically what they did is they said that we got to open up a new processing center. They built this new one out of Esteli. They got people that are doing the grading of the tobacco, that are putting it in the pilons and turning it in the pilons. Which, by the way, if there was anything, any part of the cigar process that you would think we would automate, would it not be the turning of the pilons? You would think so, for sure. I mean, absolutely. It seems like the most simple lowest level of labor on the totem would be the guy that lifts a leaf, turns it over, puts it in the other pile. Lifts a leaf, turns it over, puts it in another pile. You know what's funny about that, though? So I watch a lot of how it's made. That's what I put on every night when I go to sleep. And you'll see these factories that are just incredibly automated. And I mean, from raw product coming in, it hits a conveyor belt from the truck and doesn't touch another hand until it's the finished product. Right. Yeah, and they put a pound of powder in a, in a on a conveyor belt, and a Lamborghini comes out the other end. But then inevitably, you'll get to the very end of this process where they're putting it in the box, and you've got some schmuck just opening the box and putting the thing. You couldn't have automated that, too? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a bridge too far. It was just so. I feel like there's there's a lot of that here. Where well, I think so much of this comes down to you know everybody talks about automation taking out, taking away people's jobs and taking right. over people's jobs. You don't try to automate for non skilled positions because you can hire non skilled people cheap. Well, that's that's the big fear around AI, right? Is that automation took blue collar jobs? AI is going to take white collar jobs, right? And I, I don't buy it, but that's no, it's one of their. I, one of I their don't buy it either, but that's where the fear comes from. And I've and I've had way too many AI arguments in here this week. I think I'm gonna quit arguing with people about about AI. I think if they're, I'm sick of it. If they're scared that of a Terminator scenario occurring in our lives, then there's nothing can talk them out of that. IBM developed Watson in 2002, and that was one of the first major AI players in the market. So we're talking 20 years this technology has been around. And as someone who works with some of this technology on a daily basis, I can tell you it's really not getting that much better very quickly. The difference is just now that it's accessible. Now that everybody knows the term AI and everybody can, you can go and have it paint a picture for you, write a story for you. Everyone thinks it's the end of the world and it's just not. Well, it's also, it's the latest fear buzzword that both sides of the fence are trying to use to get their way. Yeah, fair enough. That, oh, we're going to put restrictions on AI and we're going to put an embargo on AI in this country. And the other is, well, if we put an embargo on AI in this country, we're going to fall behind. So we can't let that, you know, it, it becomes such a buzzword and people, we're going to talk about tribalism at some point in the near future. And people are getting so tribal about some of this stuff. It's just ridiculous. I'm, does anybody know how ignorant they sound when they're in these these tribe pouches? Yeah, especially when, especially as it comes to, and, and I'm going to say politics, not in the, this person says that, that person says that, but the actual, like, writing of the legislation that politics is supposed to be, um, it always lags behind technology by at least 15 years. So even if we were able to get something in place now, we're still... So the the horse is out of the barn. Yeah, by the time it gets, I mean, it's you know, a lot of wrestlers are wrestling today because they went to Mexico and got stem cell therapy. Yeah, and there's play there's clinics in Mexico that ironically Americans have set up where they can do the stem cell research. They send people down there, especially if you've got that C four vertebrae neck injury that mm. has ended so many wrestling careers. They send them down there. They pump the stem cells to them, and they I'm obviously yeah, I'm yeah, oversimplifying. Yeah. They pump the stem cells to them, and they're back wrestling. Guys whose career was over has now got a second life. Yeah, and, and the whole reason we can't do it in this country is because some people got afraid of right. where stem cells come from or what it is. And yeah, yeah. stupid reasons. So let's talk about a cigar. The Aging Room Quattro Nicaragua Sonata. Now, I pulled this article mostly because we didn't have a new release to talk about this week, but also because it reminded me, every time I smoke an aging room cigar, I'm impressed. I really like their stuff, but I don't smoke it at all. See, I'm not a fan. Yeah? I've never had any of theirs that was terrible, but I've never had one so impressive that it made me want another one. Well, and so here's what's funny about that, at least to me, is I, I, I don't think I've ever been blown away by one. Certainly not to the extent that this Enclave is, or even like a Padron Anniversary series or anywhere in between. I always assume they're going to suck. 
So I go into Aging Room with zero expectation, and it always exceeds them. I wonder if that's a lesson for new cigars that I could do a better job of just because it's LFD or just because it's Caldwell or just because... It, and I'm not picking on any of these companies. I'm, they're just the first ones that come to mind. I shouldn't go into it with expectations. I struggled with this this week. Um, we had a new guy come in offering his line of cigars and great guy, great story. All of his cigars are named after famous rodeo bulls. So, oh, nice. Of, yeah, just really, really wonderful thoughts. and Man of War wanted, and uh, well, Lady Bo, Killer. Bocephus and, and yeah. Midnight, you know, and all of these things. And I, I, and I, I would name Man of War was a racing horse. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. That was my mistake. But I wanted to like his cigars a lot. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to like his cigar. I, I, I really did work. Whereas the opposite side of that is, you know, we've got the Omec in there from Foundation. I don't like Foundation stuff, and it's not fair of me to go in there and smoke the Omec expecting not to like it. Especially since that cigar was probably the best cigar that came out in 22. Uh, so many people have told me that. So many people have told It's like Ted Lasso. Everybody tells me how great it is. I'm never watching it. Right. So, <laughs> there's, it's, so I don't think there is a way to rid to be that objective that you can rid yourself of some of that yeah it's you almost have to go into it blind like we did the other week yeah you, you almost have to take the label off somebody new guy comes in okay don't tell me your story don't tell me your name take the label off hand me the cigar i'm gonna smoke a, an inch of it then we'll start talking i think that would be brilliant especially for people coming in the first time who maybe you don't know who they are what brand they're with or anything don't tell me who owns your company. Don't tell me who your boss is. Don't tell me where your stuff is made. Just take the label off of it and hand it to me. The the equivalent of um, what's what's the dating where they turn the lights out? Uh, and people come and sit down across from you. I don't know that one. Are you there, talking about speed dating? Yeah. The, well, it's not speed dating. It's blind dating or something like that, where you go into a totally dark room. And they lead two people in, and they sit down in the chair, and they start talking and having a conversation, and then oh. they turn on turn on the lights, and Quasimodo faces the razor back. <laughs> well, they did. They what, did. They did a whole thing. Netflix series on that premise recently that people were talking about like crazy. For, for one thing, if she's going for that kind of date, and you better be ready when them or, lights yeah. come on. <laughs> but moving. Speaking of this cigar, well, re- real quick. Oh, are you still talking about this? Oh, no, you were going to move on with that. I am sorry. I wanted to point out that MSRP on the cigar is around that $13 range, which is a little bit higher than, which is about right for Aging Room. It's, uh, it's a collaboration with AJ. Okay, so here's my, here's my complaint. And everybody knows, Expressivo, Maestro, Viabro, Vibrato, Concerto, Impromptu, and Grande are the sizes. Yeah. Which one of these is the Toro? Is it the 54 by 6 or the 52 by 6? And why would you make a cigar one in 54 by 6 and one in 52 by 6? Well, there what, is no difference in that cigar. Well, it even tells you one of them's a Figurato. No, the Maestro, the Maestro and the Vibrato are not. The impromptu is a figure out. Oh, you're saying 52 and a 54 by 6. Okay, I was I was yeah. looking at the... One's a 52 by 6, one's a 54 by 6. Yeah, that's a little strange. That, that's ridiculous. So, and <laughs> An the, 11 cent difference between the yeah, two. The first guy that comes in here and tells me, okay, now Shane. Don't smoke that size, smoke yeah, this no, one. No, 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 don't go for the 54, too big, too big, too big. Go for the 52. Right. 
Okay, will the 50 be too small? <laughs> you just you wonder, and I, I've been so. This is why I don't get my cigar reviews from Goldilocks. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, this is, and I've struggled with it this week. We had a new cigar line come in. They wanted to come into the humidor, and we like all their cigars, and we're getting everything negotiated. And um, Mark said, "Hey, help, let's put this order together. We're not ordering them today, but let's go ahead and put an order together so we understand." And they had a ton of this crap on there where, oh, well, this is a 54 by 6 Toro. This is a 56 by 6 Grand Toro. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to put both of those in my humidor because nobody's going to know the difference. Right. <laughs> Someone's going to go for one based on, you know, they're probably going to smoke the Grand Toro because, oh, for an extra 20 cents, I get more cigar. And then they maybe I'll get the, like, it's just going to cannibalize itself. You know, and it really don't benefit me to yell at the rep. How many did you have to before you could tell the difference in a 54? Right. <laughs> Probably did not, was not the right uh, not, not the right call, I don't for think. A lo- for a long-term strategy there. <laughs> but moving forward. All right, let's cover one more article here. Cigar smokers, um, personal ads. Cigar smoker dating. Okay, first and foremost, this is from techtree.com. I don't know whose side they're on. Because <laughs> they're is on like, the side of the Terminator and the up the machine uprising. Because this is the most AI written article ever, and this is different than the AI articles that we've brought the last couple of weeks, where it was just a, a generated list. This is actually prose. Like this is actually written out. Fish interested in Miami, matching a rolled bundle of cigar, pungent smoke, hookah, or taste of Onus Wagner has been working long as for the Monte Cristo brand has become cigar popular cigars. <laughs> what? And this is why your jobs are safe, people. Yeah. But the opening line, welcome, fish. Your plenty and tricks. Right mind would tolerate the perfect tool to hot cigar men. <laughs> what? So, and, and when we're when we finish this show, I'm getting up and I'm walking this article right up there to one of the guys that I've been arguing with AI about all week, and I'm gonna make him sit and read this bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say my favorite paragraph in this entire article is just one line because it actually fits. If we're talking about uh, what, what's the premise, uh, cigar matchmaking, cigar personal ads. So the veiny side dating matching encounters. Where to help? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. <laughs> I would hope you'd buy me a cigar first. Yeah, my, my wrapper is rather toothy, but I'd like us to get to know each other first. But anyway, so our hilariously bad um, article aside. Yeah. Um, the cigar dating, cigar dating service, would it work? Because, you know, on one hand, I look at it, I can argue both sides of this in my own head. On one hand, I look at it as people come in here all the time and they say, man, you don't know how lucky you are your wife smokes cigars. It's something y'all get to do together when you go places. When I get home, I have to strip naked in the garage and burn the clothes I was just wearing and walk through a complete decontamination bath that loses a layer of skin. And then as soon as I lay down on the pillow, my wife says, you stink like a cigar. Right. It's it's funny because you know I've I've since I've been smoking cigars for what I think we decided eighteen years now, and 
you know, I've dated my fair share of people who hated it, who didn't mind, you know, or, or who also enjoyed. And while I can appreciate you know, the, the idea of having that shared hobby, I think that's not as important as having shared respect for each other's individual interests. Like, I don't need my wife to smoke cigars. But one of the things I really liked about her was that when we first started dating and she knew that we did the podcast, she immediately started listening. She didn't care about cigars, doesn't know anything about cigars, but she knows it's important to me. And so she was one of our first regular listeners. That, I think, is more important than actually sharing the hobby together. Well... Ask anyone who's ever taken his wife golfing. Yeah, if you... Here's the thing. If you know when you're dating somebody that it's important that cigars is important to, important to that person and you don't like them then just hit the pass button right don't make their life and your life miserable and don't think you can change them just just pass just make a just say a hard pass on this one it's interesting i would be i would be curious to do a study and i we don't have the manpower or the really the, the desire to actually do it but how how many guys have been how many people have been smoking cigars longer or shorter than they've been with their spouse? You know, because you've been with your wife longer than you've been a cigar smoker. Right. I have not. And so I'd be curious what that, what that data breakdown looks like because when you talk about, like, from a dating perspective, certainly being willing to be around cigar smoke is a, is a deal breaker for me, you know. Right. Would 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 be. I'm out of that game forever now. In case she decides to start looking at listening again this week, and the but for people that develop that that hobby after you've already selected, you, you know how that plays into it. So you're saying, what if you married a non-smoker and they pick up cigars? They go with a couple of buddies and hang out one night and realize, and they get the itch for it. Realize how great it is. Now that's an interesting question. I've never thought. Of, I've never come at it from that angle. Yeah. Um, and it's because I I suffer so much from being around here and the guys that just talk about how how much their wives hate it and oh they would never come in here and and if they do come in and okay ladies. If you do come in the cigar shop, hold on to your shirt. There's going to be smoke. Actually, I think don't hold on to your smoke. Don't hold on to your shirt. The the people that immediately like put the smoke the oh, yeah. put the shirt up over their nose like they're a fourth grader smelling a fart. Yes, they they're so aggravated, so annoying. Or they sit there and they do the fan thing. Yeah, and they look at all of us. Like, You're in my house. Yeah. It's it's kind of like you know, I don't go to your sensey party and start going oof oh these incense are killing me yeah yeah if you do decide to go to the cigar lounge then embrace the thing you know I'm, and I'm I practice what I preach one time my wife wanted to go to the Southern Women show up at Gaylord and or not Gaylord um, Music City Center yeah she likes the Southern Women show absolutely enjoys it and. Goodness knows she's done enough of that stuff with me going to gun shows, hunting shows, everything. Turnabout's fair play. Absolutely. And you know what? I went in there and I totally embraced it. Right. I totally relaxed. I didn't I didn't tuck a dollar in any fireman's G strings, but I did short of that, I totally embraced Oh, okay, well that's nice. That's cool. That's and I faked it. Yeah. I, I absolutely faked it. Hundred percent faked it. 
but I didn't act like I was miserable and try to ruin the experience for her. Right. And I don't understand that aspect of human beings. There's human beings that kind of do something begrudgingly and then act like that you've ruined their life because they've had to do something that they that they normally wouldn't have done. So anyway, back to back to the our topic at hand. Tell me about your enclave. Well, I was gonna. I was actually, we've got time to hit one more. Awesome. Um, so speaking of people that make a stink for you know things they don't like, casino employees against smoking affects addresses the Shreveport City Council members. So, have you ever been to Shreveport, Louisiana? No. It is a just nasty, nasty place. So it's right on the border between Louisiana and Texas on I-20. And it's an oil, you know, so it's on, so it's on the, the Mississippi River. Trey xenophobia aside, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing, no. That's a callback. Uh, <laughs> it's just a really dirty, nasty city. It's on the water, so there's a lot of, like, shipping trade that comes in there. So you've got a lot of like transient workers, you know, people that just come into the area for their for their time and they go back out the oil work, that sort of thing. The basically the chief part of their economy beyond that type of thing is this casino. I think they've got right. two or three of them. So anyway, so in back in 2020, council members uh, passed an ordinance which prohibited smoking in any kind of park or playground as well as well as bars and casinos. Again, let the casinos decide. Right. If they Let felt the like they if, if they felt like they were losing money, they would have outlawed it to begin with. But I can tell you, the people that are sitting at that table every night, every Friday night after they get their paycheck until they lose all their money and drive bleary eyed back home, they're all smoking when they do it. So anyway, uh, Shreveport. Da, da, da. Well, so let me put a finer point on that. Yeah. So. If we're, you and I are sitting at the three-card poker table and we're having a big time and we're having a ball and we get ahead about 300 bucks each and all because we play the small table, we get ahead about 300 bucks each and we decide it's time for a cigar. Their choice at that point is make us get up, take our money with us right, and go sit down and have a cigar somewhere where we're not gambling or keep us there and let us fire up a cigar and enjoy it, and probably the odds being what they are, give that money back to the casino. Right. And also, you know, we went to Tunica a couple of years ago, big group of us, and there were a couple of occasions where it was only part of our group at one table at a time, so we were playing with other people. Every single one of us, if we were the first of our group to light up a cigar, would talk, would look at the people sitting right next to us and say, hey, do you mind? Right. Now, they know that the proper etiquette is to say, no, I don't mind, and because they know that's what to expect, and it, and it works out. Right. It's a perfect system. It, yeah. needs no, it needs no tweaking. So a bunch of busybodies got together. The and casino cre- employees against smoking effects. Cease. Cease. This was an acronym first, and they figured out how to make it into something meaningful. So these people get together and start costing everybody money for no reason other than to advance their own agenda. Is that a fair assessment? Say that again. This bunch of of busybodies at Cease, Lamont White, Cease co-founder, 
And Nicole Vitola, that's ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicole Vitola, C's co-founder, decided to get together and cost everybody money. The casino, the dealers, because they're getting less tips because people are sitting there less. The city, because the people are there less. They decided to get together and cost everybody money in their business because of their own little agenda. And, you know, I, this, again... I'm going to be working your side of the street a little bit here. But you, no one's forcing you to be a blackjack dealer. So if you accept that job in a place that allows smoking, you outweigh the risk and the benefit of the money you make with the potential health risk. So if you don't like it, there are plenty of... there are t- Go be a bartender at a restaurant because they don't allow smoking in there. Go sell used cars. And it's not like they became a dealer and then they started allowing smoking. They right. knew that this was a smoking environment when they walked in. Exactly. And that, I think that's important to think of. And it's, this, this stuff just drives me nuts, which I will tell you. Have you know? Well, you haven't been to a lot of casinos lately. I haven't. Casinos in a whole are just getting worse and worse and worse. It's totally lost all the romance. Yeah. There's no more going in there like James Bond. And it's a bunch of old people wearing Depends and fanny packs sitting blanketly in front of a slot machine that doesn't even give coins anymore. They just stick a card in. Yeah, they just have a speaker that makes the sound of coins hitting metal. Yeah. It's just absolutely depressing to walk into casinos in the year 2023. Well, you know, and it's funny because I get compliments often on the way I dress. Because up until a couple of years ago, there were a number of people that I knew who had never seen me wear a shirt that didn't have a collar on it. That's just, that's how I felt comfortable. It's what I like to do. And Part of me wonders if the the national trend towards more casualness in general, whether it's the the yoga pants and and you know t-shirts, you know when you're going out to a nice dinner as opposed to actually dressing up. I wonder if that's affecting this here because going to a casino used to mean dressing up. It was a night out. It was something. It was kind of special and fun and different. And now it's just. Whatever whatever you roll out of bed. I mean, we sat there at the three-card poker table in Tunica playing against somebody in pajamas all day uh, until like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, no shame in that. If that's what, But, but it, it, it drives the overall energy of the, of the experience down. And I think that's... I think you're going to start seeing high-end casinos and low-end casinos. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you're going to start seeing casinos, you know, especially if I was going to Tunica right now and starting a casino. One, I'd get a train going from Nashville and Memphis to Tunica. Right. So that you can actually get there, because there's no good way to get to Tunica. That's one of the reasons it's dying. But I would open up a casino that had a dress code. Yeah. Ladies must be dressed appropriately. Men must wear a collared shirt. Must be... I would open up a casino with the dress code, and as you're coming in the front door, if you're in your pajamas, the the gorilla at the door says, "Hey, sorry, you need to go across the street." Yeah, this is, this is not the casino for you. And I think they would absolutely benefit from that. And I, I know that's where I would go, even if I had even if I had to pay ten dollar minimums instead of five dollar minimums, I would go to the nicer casino. 
Yeah, and I think that would I think you would drive the people that no longer go to those sorts of things because they've been you know because they don't like the changing environment. You would drive a lot of those people back. Absolutely, and the people that are coming in there in their pajama pajamas and bunny slippers probably ain't got the cash to be gambling anyway. Well, I think most of the people who go to casinos don't have the cash to be gambling. I think that's part of the problem. Well, that that is part of the problem, but that's that's, that's the nature of the beast, also. Right, that's a market problem. That's not something that the casinos are not responsible for that in any way. But also, it allows you to attract the best talent in terms of your front of house staff because mm-hmm. they're going to be making more money because the table stakes are higher and that and everything it works out. Yeah, so makes a lot of sense. So the El Septimo Salvador Dali. It's a the cigar is a five and a half. The story's a five, but the cigar is a five and a half. Yeah. I, would, I would like them to nail down a few more details. And El Septimo, if y'all could wrench down the pretentiousness about two notches, you would probably be a little more likely to fall into my smoking range. Yeah, I can see that. And I'll just the 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 overall. Bill Septimo image that they're trying to project. They're trying to compete with Davidoff. We don't need another Davidoff. We've already got one. We've got one. Yeah. BL Septimo. And uh, we don't need a Drew Estate. At least the, now they would be really obnoxious if they were trying to compete with Drew Estate. Yeah. Which there are some companies doing doing that. One of our friends works for one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but just wrench it down a little, fellas. Stay on the track. You got good cigars. I don't mind putting a few extra bucks down. Just know you're not going to sell as many of them to me as a ye- in a year as you would if they were a little lower price. Yeah. The Enclave's a seven. I, it's it's absolutely my favorite AJ in the line in their in their primary line. It it does its job so so well, regardless of what my palate's doing. Whether it's the drive home from here, which I'll probably have another one when I leave here tonight on my way home. As, as a first cigar of the day, second, third, it doesn't matter. It just hits perfect every single time. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at facebook.com slash the cigarcast, Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast, and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week, and until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.